The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, open them up with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. Finishing up tonight in the park, we've been week by week looking at different encounters with Jesus different events where Jesus ministered, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes to small groups, but just those interactions that Jesus had while he had ministry here upon the earth. And I hope that it's been a season of just kind of encouragement for you, just kind of getting to know Jesus in a more personal way, realizing that he ministers very personally into our lives and still does today by his Spirit. And we see something of the heart of God as we look through these events. We see God being reflected in Christ, ministering to our hearts. Tonight we'll be looking at just a few verses, uh, verses 26 through 35. Very famous passage. You'll recognize it right away as we look at it. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 35. I've entitled tonight's message, Jesus Goes Before You. Jesus goes before you. The writer of Hebrews said this, Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. I just love that word, pioneer. The idea that Jesus has blazed a trail before us, and that as we follow him, we never come to a place that Jesus has not been before. He is in every way tempted and experienced life as we have. You never have to worry. Does the Lord understand? Of course he does. He's been there before you. You're walking in places that he has walked already, and he is calling you to follow him, and he is guaranteeing that he will be with you every step of the way. The setting here for our text, of course, is Jesus gathering his disciples for what we often refer to as the Last Supper, the Lord's Table. We still participate in what the Lord set up in this one evening there with his disciples. We continue to partake of communion and the the fellowship of the Lord's Table. This is Matthew's account of these events. This is Jesus just before the cross. He's been ministering with his disciples now for some three and a half years He's been telling them at various stages along the way that, that he would be giving his life, that he would, be, he would ultimately give him, lay his life down and be arrested and persecuted and crucified, that the religious leaders, the Pharisees, he would give himself over to their hand and allow them to put him to death. He's been telling them this along the way, but it hasn't been completely registering with them. Maybe you can relate to that. Someone tells you something and and you're kind of not sure what they mean, but you just kind of go with it. We'll just go with it. You know, the disciples, they had something else in mind for Jesus. They had something else in mind for themselves with Jesus. And so when he started talking about this death and this, this ultimate, you know, having to give his life, I think they kind of understood, but not fully. They imagined that, you know, anybody that can walk on water, anybody that can raise the dead, anybody that can do the miracles, anyone that is truly the Son of God, the Messiah, the one we've anticipated all our lives, surely he means something else when he's talking about dying. They didn't completely fully understand it. 
And so even these events that we read of tonight, you kind of have to rewind the clock, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Jesus starts talking about these things, my body, my blood, and they're, of course, following him. They're, they're trying to understand, but they don't fully grasp it. Take a look with me, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, again, this is the first kind of communion table Imagine yourself sitting there. You're not really sure what's coming next. Jesus has been warning. Jesus has been telling. But now he has this table. He breaks the bread and he says, now eat this. This is my body broken for you. I don't think in this moment they fully understand what he was getting at, what he was declaring to them. He was setting up, he was uh, setting up an ordinance that would be practiced throughout the age of the church. As I mentioned, you and I, we still practice this, this table of the Lord. We understand it now. We understand we're, we're on the other side of the resurrection. We know a little bit more than they did in the moment as to what Jesus was up to and what he was setting a pattern for. The Lord's table. He's talking about, of course, his sacrificial death on the cross that he would die for the sins of the world. This is my blood given for the remission of sin. Partake of it as you partake in faith of what Christ has done for you at the cross. You, in, in, in a sense, you become a partaker with him of the victory, the resurrection, the, the, the accomplishment of the cross. And we celebrate it. In memory, we celebrate it in, in contemplating all that Jesus did in that moment at the cross. What was accomplished for us? A sacrificial death, a substitutionary death. Because we all have sinned. We all are short of the mark. I think even in our own hearts, we disappoint ourselves, let alone the, the Lord and his holy perfection. And, and Jesus died in our place Jesus died and paid a price we could never pay. The perfect, righteous Lamb of God lays his life down that we might be partakers of his righteousness because he partook of our sins upon himself and died on the cross. For us that know the, the, the rest of the story, the resurrection, the, the whole purpose of this, it makes some sense to us. But at the moment with the disciples, I don't think they fully grasped it. But Jesus was in complete control. Jesus was not being caught by surprise. Jesus was not, you know, worried and anxious about what was coming. He knew what was coming. Now, we also know that he was grieved for what was coming. After this, as they go out to that place at the Mount of Olives, he's going to talk a little more, but then you know he's going to pray that gar in the Garden of Gethsemane, that prayer crying out, even unto death, his soul was so grieved. Jesus knows exactly what's coming. He knows exactly what's going on. 
the disciples not completely, but Jesus is in complete control. And I think it's a good lesson just for us to remember. We know this, but I think it's a good reminder. Listen, Jesus knows what's coming. (laughs) Jesus knows what's coming in your life, in my life. We're a little troubled about the future these days, aren't we? We've got a lot going on today in our world, right? A lot of changes in the world. A lot of security concerns, a lot of financial concerns. We've got a lot of changes just going on in our country. We're getting ready to make some election choices. Aren't you a little nervous about the future? Aren't you a little concerned about what might be coming? But let me tell you, Jesus knows what's coming. And Jesus is ultimately still watching over his church. You know what? He was watching over these guys. They were his guys. And you know what? We're his guys. We are still the beloved of Jesus. He is watching over us. He knows what's coming. And even though this may have seemed very confusing in the moment, even though this may have seemed very hard to understand, Jesus, not only did he know what he was doing, not only did he know what was coming, but he was working all things together for good. This might have been kind of a downer for for the disciples. All this talk of death. Now we're talking about his body being broken and shedding his blood. It might have been just kind of a, a somber moment. But Jesus was really up to the greatest miracle of, for mankind ever. Jesus was really getting ready to birth the church, birth salvation. All that had been prophesied up till now, getting ready to be fulfilled. And everything since then looks back with joy at what was accomplished in these just hours and days of Jesus coming to the cross. And that's something to remind your heart today too. Not only does he know what's going on, not only is he working, but he is working all things together for good. We didn't know, he didn't, the disciples didn't know what he was up to, but he did. And what was he up to? Saving them, saving the world. And here's just a thought for you too, as we will look on here in a moment. But listen, some lessons don't make sense right now. What Jesus was doing there at that table at the last summer supper, this is the last summer in the park, but the, the last supper, they didn't fully understand. And isn't that true in your life? Aren't there times when God seems to be working lessons, teaching things, and you don't fully understand? Listen, some lessons are for later. Some of the things that the Lord takes you through now are not going to be completely discerned now. These are lessons for later. Maybe you can relate to that. I know in my life that I can. Looking back, I can see seasons where I went through ordeals. I went through trials. I went through confusing times. And in the, in the moment, I, ne- I, I just kind of, Lord, I just don't get it. But you know what? Later, ah, I see now, Lord, what you were up to in my life. I see now what you were preparing me for. You know, there may be some, some seasons ahead in your life that you're not ready for. There may be some things coming our way that, that we're not prepared for unless we walk faithfully through the lessons that the Lord has for us right now. Boy, you need, you, it, the time to, for strong faith isn't in the midst of the storm. You want to have had some smaller storms before you get to the big storm, Right? Some lessons are for later. Some lessons you may not understand now, but God is working even now 
in preparation for the future. Let's read on. Take a look with me. Verse 31. They've left now the Last Supper. They're out in the, the, uh, the, uh, out at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Jesus lets them know that, guys, what's coming What's going to take place in just a matter of hours? I'm going to be arrested. They're going to strike the shepherd. I'm going to be crucified. You are going to be made to stumble. You guys are going to scatter. You're going to run scared. It's it's going to overwhelm you. You're not ready for this. You're not going to stand strong. You're going to be fleeing. And it's already prophesied. I'm already expecting it. I already know that it's going to happen. And Peter said, oh, no, not me. Not me, Jesus. Now, I know you've got to know Peter meant these words, right? Peter believed with all his heart that he was ready for the trial, that he was strong enough, that he was truly ready to stand and die for Jesus. I think he meant those words with all his heart. And so said all the disciples. All of them loved him. All of them were, were truly faithful disciples willing to stay with him. They'd been with him all these years. They'd seen what they'd seen. They just knew in their hearts that they would not stumble. They would not deny him. They would not fall away. But Jesus, he knew them better than they knew themselves. There's some truth in that for us too. You know, he knows you better than you know yourself. And some of the things, like we said, some of the things that you go through, listen, these things that they went through in this occasion you know that these would become the very lessons that would propel them in ministry. Most of these men would go on to become martyrs for their faith. And it was some of what they're learning in this season, even in a failure, God is working something good into their character, into their hearts. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. But he says something very interesting in verse 32. He tells them that they're going to fail. Oh, no, never, never. We're never that's never going to happen. Jesus says, well, believe you me, it's going to happen. Peter, before the night's over, it will happen. But then he says in verse 32, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. This is Jesus. Now, these are, this is just, you know, a small time before he's arrested and the trial and the the mocking, the beating, the crucifixion, his death. And he's already talking about resurrection. After I have been raised. You don't think Jesus knew what his mission was? You don't think he saw through the cross? The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He knew what the cross meant. He knew what he was getting ready to go through. He would wrestle this out in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. But he also knew there was a joy beyond it. There was a resurrection He knew that he would be raised, and he is our pioneer of the faith, isn't he? 
He's the one that is able to look through even death and see life. He's the one that through faith can look, despise the shame and look past the shame, the trial, the ordeal, and can see life, resurrection. When I have been raised, the Bible says that there are tears in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Something we need to understand about our Christian journey. There are going to be nights of tears. There are going to be difficult moments and seasons, but they will always, always end in life and joy and resurrection. Nothing that you're going through will last forever, no matter the valley, no matter the struggle, no matter the trial, and you will have them. But Jesus, I believe, as the pioneer, setting the standard, setting the example, yes, you will walk through valley, but you will come out on the other side because there is a faithful God who walks with you and who has already gone before you, waiting for you on the other side. After I'm raised, I will go before you to Galilee. You have to recognize this. I have to recognize this. And this has been my testimony. How about yours? My life has been a series of some deep valleys and God bringing me out, coming up, even enjoying some mountaintops. Always seems too short on the mountaintop. But thank God, those valleys don't last forever. There are tears at night. Haven't you cried out? Haven't you gone through seasons of just deep difficulty and real wrestling and, and wondering and doubting and, and, and crying out to the Lord and shedding of tears? But then the Lord brings you through and joy comes. There's, there's always going to be a morning, a, a morning of joy. Don't get discouraged and don't get confused. Of course, there are going to be moments of valley. But God is going to bring you through. See, we don't want the valleys. We get discouraged like we should never have a valley. But Jesus, the pioneer of our faith, listen, he sets the standard. Guys, this is what's coming for me. But when I'm raised, there's something else coming. And so that's the truth. This is just a principle of life. I think it's a principle for the Christian journey. You're going to have times where there's going to be trial and difficulty but God is going to bring you through and he's going to teach you through that. And God's going to work something good through that. And then guess what? You're going to go through another season of lesson and learning and, and trial and trouble, but also God bringing you up and out on the other side. Is it just me or can anybody say, yeah, that's kind of been my story. Raise your hand if that's kind of been the way your Christian journey has gone. Okay. Just making sure that you're all saved. Okay. <laughs> It's the way it is. And Jesus sets the example. But he says, I will go before you. Who's he talking to? You guys. He's talking to his disciples. I'm going to go before you. Now, he's just told them, you guys are going to stumble. You got Peter, you're going to deny me. All of you are going to, are going to run for cover. All of you are going to fail tonight. All of you are going to miss it. All of you are going to be big disappointments even in yourselves. All of you are going to fall short of what you claim and promise. All your good intentions, all of that's going to come crashing down. I'm going to be left alone in my darkest hour. 
in the time when, when, I may, when I need disciples to be loyal the most, you will all abandon me. And I've already told you that's what's coming. But I'll go before you and meet you in Galilee. Think of this now. Jesus has already predicted and told them. He knows what these guys are going to do. They're going to stumble and blow it. But he's already planning the reunion on the other side. Now think about the love of God. Think about the grace of God. He already knows the stumblings that are coming, not only in the disciples' life. Of course, this translates to us. Don't you know that God, you can, you can be very sincere tonight. Lord, oh, I'm not stumbling anymore. I'm, I'm done with stumbling, Lord. I'm ready to walk in just loyalty and fullness of faith and all that stumbling. That's behind me now, Lord. Really? Probably not. I don't plan to stumble. Don't go out looking for ways to stumble. But listen, recognize that, you know what? In my weakness, in my frailty, in my journey, I've made some mistakes. I've fallen short. I've disappointed myself. I know I've disappointed the Lord. I've let him down. I've, I've turned back on faith. There have been moments of just embarrassing shame and condemnation, all of that. Guess what? God knew all of that. God knew all of that the day he saved you. God knew all of that the day he called you. Jesus knew all of that the moment he laid his hands on the disciples' lives. He knew what he was dealing with. He knew that he was dealing with human weakness and frailty. He knew that these men were going to disappoint, just like he knows that you and I, we're going to have our ups and downs. But Jesus has gone before. I'll meet you on the other side. I'll be waiting for you on the other side of this failure, this trial. Now, again, we're not talking about a mindset that plans that. These disciples weren't planning this. We just heard from them. No, never. Jesus said, well, even tonight. But guys, I'll be waiting for you in Galilee. I'm going to raise from the dead. Something wonderful is going to happen. God's going to work. I'm going to save you, not by any strength or any help from you guys. I'm going to do this myself because you can't do it without me. I'm going to save you, and then I'm going to call you back to myself when we on the other side of this. You know, I remember even in my own life that there were times of failure. And, and I think such a disappointment in my own heart that I, I imagined that somehow it was too late for me as far as ministry goes, certain levels of ministry. And, you know, I want to speak to this tonight because I think this resides in a lot of hearts I think there may even be some of you here tonight where secretly, maybe you're not talking about it, maybe you'd never admit it, oh no, but deep down you're wondering, Lord, is it too late for me? Did I miss, miss my opportunity? Maybe there's a hope, there's a dream, something that God put in your heart at one time. These men were called to be disciples. We're leaving all, we're following Jesus. But you know how this night played out for them. They went into great despair. They all fell. They all abandoned him. And then Jesus was crucified and buried in the tomb. And they were all discouraged, hiding for their lives in fear and in their hearts thinking, it's too late. It's over. 
it's over. Everything we dreamed, everything we'd hoped, everything we thought, it's over. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe in your heart, you're, you're harboring a secret kind of quitting, a giving up, too late, too many failures. Maybe you're too discouraged. Others have hurt you and beat you down and forget it. It's not worth it. Maybe just the circumstances are overwhelming and you've got to this place where you've lost hope. The fire has gone out. You know that's how these disciples felt. You know what? Even, even if he were to raise from the dead, what, what good are we? What can he do with us? In fact, we see that, don't we? Even after the resurrection, what does Peter and some of them do? They go back to fishing. He's alive. We love him. Oh, that's so exciting. But, you know, it's too late for us. I can remember that in my own life and a pastor praying with me and Lord giving him a word and saying, you know what? You're, you're living like it's over. You're living like it's too late. You're living as though grace can't set you free. He says, I see a picture of you. You're like, you're like this guy carrying around a ball and chain. You're hooked. You know, you're moving around okay, but man, you're weighed down. You're not able to do any of the things that God wants you to do because you're still carrying around the guilt, the shame, the burden of the past. And God wants you to know that he set you free, that it's over. It's as if those things were, have never happened. And God's purposes and plans for you have not retreated. These men blew it big time. But God, not only did he meet them, he also, not only did he forgive them, cleanse them, but he restored them back to ministry. Nothing was lost. Nothing was lost because Jesus and his grace and his mercy and his power won the victory for them. Jesus wasn't looking to them for the victory. He knew that that's why he came. He had to provide what we could not. And that's exactly what he had in mind was to rescue them. Listen, it's never too late. You never want to get to a place where you quit. Don't give up your dreams. Don't give up whatever God has dropped into your heart, some way that he wants to use your life, some vision that you believe he's drawing you to. Ah, it'll never happen. Oh, maybe that's too, I'm too old for that now. Oh, maybe, but then, you know, this happened in my life. Oh, no, I couldn't because I had this huge setback. No, no, because this person, they just, you know, blew it for me. All the things that, you know, the enemy wants to get you and I to just kind of give up, throw in the towel. Oh, I'm still going to be a Christian. I still love Jesus. I know that he saved me. I'm going to heaven. I know I'm forgiven. But, but all, no, that, all that ministry stuff, I'm going back to fishing. And yet Jesus said, no, you guys are going to continue to do what I've called you to do. He's restore, he restores them. Notice what he says. I will go before you where? To Galilee. To Galilee. Now, you know what Galilee was. Galilee is where it all started. Galilee is where it all began. Galilee was the the, the memory of years back when they first met him. When they first felt the excitement of knowing him. When they first began to realize this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And he's calling me into ministry, into service, into a life with him. 
the enthusiasm that they felt back in Galilee. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm bringing you back to where it all began because nothing is lost. Almost that call back to your first love. Can you remember when God first began to birth the vision, the call, the, the, the salvation in your heart? Come up, he's calling, I'm going before you, beyond all this that's taken place. I'm going before you back to the beginning because I'm giving you a new beginning. Nothing is lost. We're going to start again, only now the cross is behind us and the resurrection has taken place and the Holy Spirit has been given. And so God would call our hearts. I I just think the Lord wants to speak to some of you tonight. Maybe you're a believer and yet something of the fire has diminished, something of the first love. And, And I'm not even talking about, you know, like necessarily like you don't love the Lord anymore, but some of the passion, some of the aspiration, some of the things that you believe he called you to in your heart have grown cold and almost ready to go out in your heart. You're almost ready to quit on it and give up and just settle for plan B or C or D. And I think the Lord wants you to know, listen, I've already gone before you. I've already been on the other side of all that's behind you. I've already, I'm already here in Galilee waiting for you. Come back to the beginning. Come back to the faith that you once knew and had. Come back to that first love, that sense of God's purpose and calling upon your life in whatever dimension that would be. And I think for my own heart, that's something that I'm asking the Lord to refresh in my own life. You know, we've been up in Monrovia now for a little over 11 years. This our first Sunday. We started right here. I'm standing right here. We had about 15, 15 of you were out here, and we had our first service in Monrovia. Pardon me? My wife wants to remind me most of the 15 were our own family, so. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> Six of them were, were, you know, were forced to be here. <laughs> But you know, as you go through, you kind of come to a a place sometimes in the journey, and then you just begin to wonder, Lord, where are we now? You know, we're still out in the park. (laughs) I'm so grateful for what the Lord's done and so thankful. But, you know, there's still that wondering. I'll I'll just be honest with you in my own heart, pondering, Lord, you know, because I, I felt like I had some, some dreams in my heart that you sowed into my heart for our church and what God was doing, what God wants to do in this community, in our time. And so, you know, you just wonder, Lord, was I just kind of, you know, pie in the sky? And, and, and my visions are not grandeur, but just, just little thoughts and visions, little things the Lord dropped in my heart. And so I've been wrestling through some of that. Lord, maybe, maybe that's just not going to happen, and I just need to kind of get used to it. But I feel like the Lord wanting to stir my heart. Don't you settle. Don't you give up. Don't you quit on anything that I've sown into your hearts. It's over when I say it's over. It's, it's too late when I say it's too late. And guess when that is? When your race is done. When you and I go to be with the Lord, that's when we can say, 
we've run the race. Until then, we're pressing on. We're pressing on. We had a prayer meeting here last uh, a week ago Sunday. Small group of us praying as a church, praying for the ministry. And there was a word given. One of the ladies there at, at the prayer meeting said, you know, I just feel like the Lord put this word in my head. And the moment I walked in here tonight, I can't get rid of it. And the word is press on. Boy, that just hit me right in the heart. Lord, that's for me. I know that's what you're asking me to do. Press on. Jesus, I've already gone before you to Galilee. I'm already ready and waiting for you to come back and restore that first love. Come back to that place of vision again and purpose in your heart. Listen, God's not finished with your life. These guys blew it. You and I have blown it. It doesn't matter. You think it's too late. It's not. God wants to take you right here, right now. This is our Galilee, if you will. And we want to come back to that place of the first love, that fresh vision, that sense of his calling. And let's press on from here. Forgetting what lies behind, we're going to press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Who knows what God has for you? Maybe even more than you dreamed. Maybe even more than you imagined. Isn't that what Paul said, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or think? Now, I don't want to just talk, you know, some false hope into your heart. These are God's promises. This is how he operates. This is how he works. Those, those 12 disciples, those few fishermen and tax collectors and a few others, oh, what God had planned, they had no idea. And in those moments of, of failure and discouragement, Jesus was already planning to meet them on the other side in Galilee and give them a brand new beginning. Won't you stand with me tonight? We'll close here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and prepare to close us in a song of worship. So I want to, I just want to pray with, with those of you tonight that feel like this was God's word for you. Something that was shared, something out of this passage, something of what I'm communicating tonight, you know, that's the Lord speaking directly to my heart. And it may be that you're here and you need a new beginning, a brand new beginning. You've never even come to faith in Christ, but you realize that Jesus, he did die on that cross for your sin. He did raise from the dead that you might have forgiveness, that you might have newness of life. And maybe for you, this is a new beginning by coming to Christ for, in faith for the very first time. He's already gone before you. He's waiting for you. Now, I'm going to just share a few prayer requests. If this registers with your heart, I want you to just come and join me here. We'll just make this Galilee here tonight at the, at the front of this, this band shell. Maybe for the first time you need Jesus and the Lord speaking to you. I want you to come. Maybe you're here tonight and your, your flame has just about gone out. You're a believer, you're a Christian, but you have already begun to give up and quit and resign yourself to something less than what you believe the Lord had for you and has maybe still has for you. And maybe tonight you simply need a new beginning. You need to come back to this place 
of Galilee, where it all started, that place when the Lord spoke to you, that place when the Lord dropped things into your heart, and you just need to say, God, I just ask you to forgive me and refresh me, restore me, and put all of that back into my heart by your Spirit. I don't want to give up. I want to press on. I want to move on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If that's your heart tonight, I'm going to ask you just to join me here at the front. The worship team's going to sing. If you need prayer, you want to respond to this, coming to Christ, coming back to your first love in Christ, coming back to the beginning of what God's sown in your heart, come on forward now and we'll pray after this song. Make your way forward even as they're singing. Thank you, Jesus. Well, many have come. Does anyone else need to be here for a time of prayer? Just make your way forward. I'm going to pray for these that have, that have responded. This is the way the Lord works. Those of you that have come, this is the way the Lord works. This is the way he speaks to you. This is the way he encourages you. This is the way he directs you. He brings his word to your heart. It finds its mark in your heart, and we respond. This is the way God works in our lives. 
I say that because I want you to have faith tonight that this is the Lord speaking to you. This is not just a pastor trying to, you know, encourage you tonight. It is that too. But I believe it's the Lord from his word to your heart trying to remind you, trying to encourage you, trying to strengthen you. Jesus has gone before you. He saw it all before it happened. He knows what's coming. He knows our failures. He still loves us. He called those disciples. He told them, I'll be ready to meet you in Galilee to restore you, to, re- to breathe back all the purpose and calling and everything I have ever planned for you. Nothing is going to be lost. Oh, yes, you're going to fail. <laughs> oh, yes, you're going to stumble. Oh, yes, you're going to, to miss even what you, your own desires are. But I'm going to meet you on the other side of it. And I'm going to refresh everything, reset everything, forgive you. God is not done. God is not done with any of you. God loves you. God has purpose for you. God has ministry for you and through you. You need to keep your trust and faith in him, even even in a circumstance that seems impossible. You know those disciples thought it was over, but it wasn't. It was just beginning. It was really just beginning. So I'm going to pray for you, all of you that are gathered here tonight. So, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I believe that it was your word spoken tonight, God. And I think you've ministered into these hearts. Lord, there may be some coming for the very first time wanting to receive Christ. And, Lord, for that heart, for those hearts, I pray that you would, you would meet them in this moment. That you would let them know, I died on that cross for you. I shed my blood for you. It was given that you might enjoy forgiveness of sins. Confess your sin. Acknowledge your need. Put your faith and trust in him. Take in tonight at his table, his bread, his wine. Take it in because it's the love of God to save and rescue your heart. Some of you are here tonight because you're wanting a fresh beginning, a new start. Things have happened. Maybe you've grown weak in your, your walk. Maybe you've gotten off track. Maybe uh, things have happened, circumstances, things beyond your control, and you've allowed just kind of doubt and despair, and you've allowed the flame of hope to kind of extinguish in your heart, and you're thinking maybe some of it is lost and over and gone forever. God, I pray that you would meet these hearts tonight. And that you would breathe hope tonight. God, that by your spirit, you would encourage them. That you would say to each heart, it's not too late. I'm not finished. It's not over. I have ministry. I have life. I have hope. I have help. I have purpose for you. Nothing is lost. Nothing is lost because everything has been redeemed by my saving work at the cross. And my grace And my mercy and my love for you is bigger than all that has transpired up to now. I'm able to recover, to restore, and to bring you forward in all the things that I have planned for you and purposed for you. Nothing will be lost. You are the sheep of his pasture tonight. Jesus said, God has given them to me and I hold them in my hand and no one can pluck them out. 
So tonight, Lord, may these hearts be encouraged and refreshed. May this be a new beginning of hope and prayer and and just being faithful in their looking to you for all that you've called and purposed, Lord. And God, that it would come to pass. God, that you would begin to work in such a beautiful and powerful way that they would know that the Lord is working. The Lord is not finished. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is strong. He is mighty to save. And Lord, our faith would be restored. Our first love would be rekindled and our lives would be lived for your glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.